This is DJ Crash at KNON Now in Dallas, Texas. And I'm speaking with Frank Zinkovich, who co-founded the punk pioneer band Romeo Void with Deborah Ayal and Peter Woods. So we'll talk to Frank about their new release coming out on Record Store Day called Live from Mabuhe Gardens, November 1980. And Frank, I'm in Dallas. You're in San Francisco. These are two No, I'm, I'm actually uh, just outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh, well, great. Okay. <laughs> so we're not too far away, actually. Yeah, yeah we, uh, Texas and New Mexico, we border. So yep. uh, I'm going to drive through there one, one day soon. I'll uh, reach out to you. Sure, uh, definitely. Yeah. But take me back to 1979 in San Francisco. Uh, hippie culture was long gone, right? Yes, yes. It was that period, there was really interesting things going on with in the city itself with um, uh, the, uh, uh, oh God, no, I'm drawing a blank on the the massacre that happened. Uh, oh, Jonestown, people, yeah. People's Temple and Jonestown and People's Temple was a San Francisco based organization. And so that was going on. Um, Dan White had shot Mayor Moscone and um, Harvey Milk. Yes. There were weird trials going on where Dan White got off based on what they called the Twinkie defense. Then there were riots downtown. It was it was quite a time to be there. And then the music scene was uh, really in a in a good state in that all these little clubs had places to play. Uh, there was a real deaf club, which was for deaf people that we never played at, but bands were playing there because the deaf people loved the loud vibrations. <laughs> wow. And and then there was this uh, Filipino restaurant that um, uh, Dirk Dirksen convinced the owner to let him use it at night for rock and, you know, for, for punk shows. Yes. And um, there were a few bands like crime and the offs and some others that were all um, pretty uh, up there and didn't want to open for each other. And Deborah knew some of those people. And so they would always ask us to open <laughs> Uh, and so we never even had to submit like a tape or anything to the Mabuhe. And um, that's how we ended up getting to play there. Isn't that cool? So Mabuhe Gardens lasted for a few years in the late 70s, early 80s. And it went, yeah, I forget how long. I think it was at least four or five years. It went for a while. Yeah. yeah. And, and so your new release, uh, and this is on Liberation Hall Records. Is yeah. Romeo Void live from Mabuhe Gardens, November 14, 1980. Uh, and this this is a real snapshot of the time. You, you hadn't released anything yet, had the the band hadn't, right? No, no. This we had been rehearsing and then doing these live shows and uh how we climb of 415 records, I think had heard of us had at least been to see us but at this point we were just like everybody else um just sort of you know 
okay, we'll play a gig and see what happens. There was no real thoughts about stardom <laughs> or yeah. anything like that. It was, it was just fun to be able to have a place to play because coming up through the sixties and seventies, uh, as a musician, you, you had to play in a club and do like three sets, four sets a night of cover tunes. And the only people that were playing their own material were big bands that you saw at sports arenas or, you know, large halls or something, you know, that was, you know, that was sort of the standard, you know, Led Zeppelin and, and um, you know, all those bands of the sixties and seventies where you had to go, there were no little clubs to see someone play. You know, if it was a club, it was a bar and you, and they played um, yeah, cover tunes. And so all of a sudden, because of the whole punk, you know, new wave scene, there were all these places you could play your own music. Indeed. And DJ Crash speaking with Frank Zincavage from Romeo Void, who co-founded the band Romeo Void in the late 70s. And, and Frank, it's got to feel good, though, to have a a new release out, even though it is a it's a it's a it's a live recording from way back. Right. It's no. It's really nice to have the um, uh, the documentation of how we were at that particular time, and we actually ended up rehearsing a lot. and And I think the record shows that we were a fairly tight band even early on because this is less than a year since first forming. Uh, Deborah and I met at the Art Institute in San Francisco. We were both art students. I was getting my master's in sculpture. And somehow we were, had a conversation where uh, I mentioned that I had a bass guitar and a little drum machine. And she asked me to sit in on a, a, a performance she was doing for her performance class. Because uh, also this is the early days of people doing, you know, live performances. And um, and then she knew Peter and she knew Jay Dara, the drummer, yeah. and um, said, oh, well, let's get together and do some more stuff. And, you know, so it, it all started very innocently in, in the terms of let's just have some fun and never really expected a whole lot to come out of it. And um, I... I often think of Deborah as the Patty Smith of the West Coast, or maybe the, you know, the uh, Deborah Harry of the West Coast. She sang with attitude. Yes. Yeah. Deborah was definitely influenced by, you know, people like Patty Smith, but she also had a, a writing and poetry background. And so a lot of what she where she was coming from was from the written word. So that really in my mind worked out really nicely uh, for the, the kind of band we, we sort of evolved into. Um, and yeah, she was, she was definitely, you know, or is, is still really strong at, at writing lyrics and, and telling her, her story. Yeah. May I circle back to San Francisco for a moment that when yeah. you recorded this, hadn't Jello Biafra just run for mayor? I can't rem I can't remember what year he he did that. It may have been it was right around that time. Uh, but that was again yet another thing that was that there was it was such a vibrant time for San Francisco. There was so much going on. 
Um, it was also like a lot of cities where you could, you know, you could find a place to rent for two or three hundred dollars and have a few people living there and and you could survive living in in the city. And nowadays, of course, everything is way too expensive. And so the art, the arts in general, are, you know, suffer because of that. But San Francisco at, you know, 78, 79, 80, up to, you know, mid 80s was was great for artists of all kinds, you know, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead, Frank. Oh, and just, you know, and there's there's always been crazy political stuff going on in San Francisco. You know, I mean, you just look at the history of the the West Coast in general and the Bay Area has always, you know, been uh, at the forefront of of certain changes in in attitudes. I think of Romeo Void as being way ahead of their time. And you were a multicultural band. Deborah was First Nation, right? She was a yes, yeah. She, her father was Cowlitz Indian from the Northwest, and um, her mother was, uh, for lack, I guess, Caucasian. And her mother also was the very first female veterinarian uh, in California. Oh. So Deborah came from, and she has a grandfather that was involved in. Um, in Native American treaties with with the American government, so she has a history of of um, of being independent and and forceful. And she even during the Alcatraz uh, occupation by uh, Native Americans, she she was even there for a while too. So she she was a very forceful woman. Uh, politi yeah, political, and, and uh, I admire that. Um, do you recall how you met her? Uh, well, we met at the Art Institute. Uh, somehow, um, I ended up sitting at a, at a table in the cafeteria with someone else I knew, and Deborah was sitting there or came and sat there also with someone she knew, and we ended up talking. And, and that's, you know, it was a very... Uh, you know, just sort of a simple, oh yeah, oh hello, you know, meeting and and it, you know, it, 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 the all, the whole history of Romeo Void is very, uh, uh, God, forgetting my words, but uh, very casual the way wow. things happened. Yeah, you you had you had said that earlier. Yeah, it was just sort of um, naturally kind of came together and. There weren't any real big plans, and maybe that's how the best art does come together. Is I think well, well, also like because like Deborah was at a um, a deli uh, in San Francisco talking with someone, and he introduced uh, her to Benjamin Bossy, yeah. the saxophone player, and he yeah. was working in the deli at the time, oh. and she was doing portraits. Uh, and asked him if he wanted to sit for a portrait and then found out he played saxophone. Yeah. I was like, Oh, you want to play in our band? <laughs> and, and, and it worked out great. One of the, the best things about Romeo void is we all brought different influences. So the band never sounded exactly like some other band. Nope. Yeah. 
there there was a band at the time i can't remember but they were a three piece and they all loved the police and so i'd be sitting there listening to them in the club thinking is this a police song and it wouldn't be it'd be their own material but you know with romeo void we all brought so many different influences that it never sounded like any one of the influences and you mentioned benjamin uh, may he rest in peace but yeah. you know I, I often thought of benjamin as almost the second lead singer because of what he could do with that saxophone yes yes we we really thought of him as the second voice and it was a, a um you know peter as a guitar player had a, a in general, a fairly clean sound and wasn't really a, uh, a soloist. And Benjamin took care of the soloing and also acted as a second voice with Deborah on a, the song Talk Dirty to Me. Yeah, uh, There's an early version on this live record and he isn't quite yet at the point that it became as we went on where they would have these back and forth interactions talking to each other, uh, especially during that song. And, and some of the bass on this record, and, and let me let me let me just announce again. This is DJ Crash speaking with Frank Zincavage from Romeo Void to announce their new release on Record Store Day 2023. The new release is called Romeo Void, live from Mabuhe Gardens, November 1980. A uh, cool live recording the early days of Romeo Void, you had, you know, you had implied earlier that it was almost innocent the way the band came together. And you also mentioned the police and isn't it the song drop your eyes. That is sort of a reggae tune you guys do. Yeah. And that was, I mean, at the time there was also madness and the specials. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think Joe Jackson had a little bit of, of, um, uh, reggae influence and a couple tunes and the police. So there was definitely, uh, uh, you know, reggae was definitely part of, of the punk scene in, in general. And I had been listening to the Whalers since the, you know, uh, mid, uh, well, early seventies, actually, um, uh, since catch a fire and, um, so that element was, it was just one other thing to sort of play around with. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, then, uh, and then a lot of my bass influence originally uh, when I was younger was from the, uh, playing the blues and maybe like Rolling Stones. And, um, and so it was more of a, a background style of playing. Whereas once I started hearing uh, like Peter Hook in Joy Division and the bass player for The Cure uh, and uh, Gang of Four, you know, I started seeing, oh, the bass can be way yeah. more up front. Right. Know? Yeah, you can't get more up front than Gang of Four, right? I know. <laughs> or Joy Division, especially. Yeah. That's, yeah. But but obviously you have a love for some sixties garage rock and, and there's this great cover tune on this record, never to be found on anything else by Romeo Boyd, double <laughs> shot by baby's love, the swinging medallions. And what a cool song that is. 
It, it's a great tune. And yeah. I don't know how, I think Deborah came up with the idea of let's do this. And because um, we had, we also used to do an instrument, uh, an instrumental called Apache. Uh, and it was just a good tune. That was a good tune uh, for our sound man to sort of get levels set when we first came out and started playing. But Double Shot was just a nice high energy tune that uh, yeah. we adapted and and uh, it was it, it was always fun to play. That's the best two and a half minutes of music I've heard all year. That song. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, what a cool song. And so I'm speaking with Frank Zincavage from Romeo Void. Their new release comes out Record Store Day 2023 called Live from Mabuhe Gardens. And can I direct people to a couple of things on that are videos that can easily be found on YouTube? First, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, Frank, but it's almost cringeworthy to watch Dick Clark try to speak to you on American Bandstand 1984. That was well, Dick Clark. If you, if you having you know been of an age that I watched Dick Clark growing up, he was always a little bit awkward with his interviews, and he would always try to he he'd always try to tie in something. He had just a, an odd way of 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 interviewing a band, and yeah. uh, it was a little odd the way he started talking about the the painted uh jackets that I had done for for one of our videos and uh and then Deborah kind of you know you get nervous and Deborah kind of didn't know quite what to say in a certain sense with him and but um it was it was just fun fun to do that it, uh, you know as uh, someone growing up watching American Bandstand you know I never had any thought that we would actually end up on there so it was it was fun it was it was a you know and he he's a, you know very friendly guy so it was it was nice that he they had us on there it, yeah for sure it certainly was fun and then the other video of course is um a few years ago uh you did bands reunited right yeah yes with vh1 vh1 and and so you know how how was that? It looked like you had one day to rehearse and then played a live gig, you know, after not seeing each other for 15 years. <laughs> it was, it's an odd format and it was very much geared towards, um, towards their, you know, VH1's idea of how they wanted to present things. And they originally wanted to surprise everybody that's what they had done with with other bands where they show up at your workplace all of a sudden yeah. and oh my gosh and, right and they wanted they they wanted i was a contractor i was doing remodeling and at the that week i was working uh rebuilding a uh, a garage for a client and they wanted to come to my job site they called me i said oh no no and they said okay well we'll do an interview uh over the phone are you going to be home say Wednesday night? And I said, yeah, okay. Seven o'clock, whatever. Oh. And then all of a sudden they show up at my door. Oh, And I was totally pissed off in that, you know, in the, in the, the video or in the show, I've been telling them, get out of here. I'm not going to talk to you. 
And then I finally relented, and uh, and they did surprise Deborah at uh, at a place where she was doing printmaking, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Aaron was back in Georgia, and Peter Woods was uh, um, in Japan, so they couldn't really go surprise him, but they had him fly in, and then they acted as if they were surprising him in his hotel room. Uh, okay. So they had this whole thing that their whole shtick was, we're going to surprise these people and see right. if they get together. You know? <laughs> uh, and but it was did. cool to see. We, it was cool to see Benjamin. You know. Uh, yeah. Video. Yeah. No, that was one of the sad things is that Benjamin, at a certain point, was having hearing problems, and the story, the way I understood it, when he was living in New York and playing a lot with with really interesting people there, uh, he went to a hearing specialist that worked on helping people uh, who couldn't hear, hear again. And it had to do with the bones in the jaw and the ears and connecting something. And, and he supposedly was able to see that that the opposite was happening with Ben is that the sound vibrations from the saxophone being in his mouth and oh, yeah. going through his jaw was ruining his hearing. And so he basically stopped playing. And he also had tinnitus or tinnitus, whatever however people pronounce it. Yeah. And so he would have to wear um, ear protection a lot. And he would walk around New York, especially uh, how loud it is with uh, the kind of headphones you wear if you're shooting guns, you know, because he really had to knock out sound. Yeah. yeah. DJ Crash speaking with Frank Zinkavage from Romeo Void. And Frank, I hope you don't mind if I say that you come from a rich heritage of San Francisco, punk and post-punk pans, the nuns, the dead Kennedys, the tubes. Willie DeVille, uh, and you mentioned crime and uh, the offs, the offs, and you were there, you were there, man, the late 70s in San Francisco. And, and like you said, what a, a crazy political time with Harvey Milk being assassinated. And you know, I'm in Dallas, so we, we're a city of political assassination, too. Yeah, yeah, you have some history there. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, and it's, you know, it, it lingers because in Dallas, it's still to many people, an unsolved mystery, but mm-hmm. story for another day. Congratulations yeah. uh, on the new release. Uh, I, I really mean that. And Thank you. Uh, yes, for sure. And you mentioned you were doing contract work, but I, I saw on your website, you're, um, you're a sculptor. Yeah, I still work in ceramics. I'm I, mostly wheel thrown. Um, on my website, it has some of the... Uh, the Raku work that I've done and, and some of the other um, normal firing and, and, and I still do a lot of music. I've been creating music all along. And um, Oh, I was, I, you know what? I was playing some of that earlier and I just was smiling the whole time, especially Jesus in a hot tub. Uh, is that hot, hot tubbing, hot tubbing with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> what a cool well, song. I, I was raised, Catholic, but pretty early on, you know, by the end of high school, realized that a lot of it didn't quite make sense for me. And uh, 
so I always have had this sort of tongue-in-cheek attitude towards religion. And years ago, I, I wrote down, I forget what it was. I was Something was going on, and, and I just thought, oh, Jesus in a hot tub, hot tubbing with Jesus. You know? <laughs> and, and years later, I decided to finally write, write a tune with that. And, um, and then there's another song on there that's a little darker, uh, called the blood of Jesus. And there was a, a, there is a billboard driving from Santa Fe down to Albuquerque. They've changed it. They just now have a cross with the sun setting behind it, but it used to be a big billboard with an arm nailed to the cross oh, and boy. blood dripping down from it. And it said, only the blood of Jesus can wash away your sins. Yeah. And so, I saw that and was like, well, of course I've got to write a song <laughs> with that. Um, Let's see how many people I can offend. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Frank, I, I like you, brother. Hey, um, <laughs> and, and Romeo Boyd, you know, let's remind listeners, uh, I think sometimes the uninitiated think of the band as two big songs. But, uh, you know, I want, I want to direct attention to a great song called Flash Blood, the, the mm -hmm. song Instincts. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so many others. And then many of them are on this recording. It's, it's released on record store day coming up April 22nd, 2023, Romeo Boyd live from Mabuhay gardens, November, 1980. And that's on liberation hall records, but it must've been cool opening for you too, for wall of voodoo. I, I think gang of four too, right? Yeah, we opened actually wall of voodoo opened for us. We were middle slot for gang of four. But we opened um, the very first tour that U2 did. One of the very first show they did in the Bay Area was at San Jose State College in San Jose. Mm -hmm. And we opened for them. And the stage was just this series of platforms that had been set up in the gymnasium. The gymnasium was built to handle earthquakes. So it was meant to move. And so yeah. we were playing and people in the audience are jumping up and down and the whole floor of the gymnasium was just rolling. And by the time you two came on, it was crazy. Wow. And then, then they, they did two shows and we opened for them at uh, uh, Bill Graham's club uh, called the, um, uh, uh, Oh God, uh, Wolfgang's. I think I think it was, and uh, and then and we and, and we ended up doing um, shows. Was it, the, with, was it the Fillmore? No, no, no. It was a small club, okay. and 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 Bill Graham's people, his his younger people working for him, were uh, we, that was a club I'd go see. You know, John Cale and and. Uh, uh, Ultravox and 999 and it was a great time to see all these British bands coming through um, but we all, we did two shows uh, at that point with you 2 and then we played again with them in LA at the um, Hollywood Palladium and another show later on uh, a couple of years later at the San Francisco Civic uh so we we had yeah we had a nice batch of shows we got to do with you two but if we played with Gang of Four, um, I'm trying to think we we did a bunch of opening 
shows at the, early on, which was really nice. It, it, and it also helped helped us sort of get our act together too. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. But the new the, you know the, the the live record is really a nice uh a nice snapshot of how we were at that time. And our drummer Jay Dara uh was a big uh, Keith Moon fan. And so some of the songs later on in the the It's a Condition recording uh, are a little calmer, but he he brought a really nice energy to some of these tunes, and um, it's it, like I said, it's a nice snapshot of how things were at that point in time, and um, it shows what we had possible the possibilities to come. You know? Yes, indeed, uh, right, right, because at that point you had not released any material when this was recorded so that yeah this is a this is you guys firing on all cylinders and then you yeah, went I to think, the studio yeah. shortly after and and, and created um it, you know started recording yeah 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 the the album the first album it's a condition came after that see howie klein of four and five records came to see us a few times and liked the band and he was talking to us about doing a 45 and he brought david khan who at that time was not a producer. He was not even an official engineer. He worked at the desk at the Automat recording studio answering phones. Oh. And, they, and they gave him, you know, some studio time late at night. And uh, and so how we brought David to see us, David wasn't very impressed with this, but then we had a song which is not on, on this release uh, called I Mean It. Which is a really uh, that's slow a great song, yeah. Tune. And one of my favorite tunes ever by us. And uh, David saw that and and saw Benjamin playing and said, "Okay, I'll work with them." Yeah. Well, and, and I'm glad you said that. And one of my favorite songs by you is, and I didn't know I like slow ballads, but I think Instincts is a great tune. Uh huh. Thank you. Thank you. See, that was a tune that I started uh, in my uh, studio at home uh, with uh, uh, a little four-track recorder yeah. uh, with some bass and a little Casio uh, keyboard and brought it into the band. And And Peter added some nice guitar stuff and, and uh, Deborah wrote some great lyrics and uh, the the sax lines in that were, were what I had done these keyboard lines. Uh, so yeah, there was, Deborah was really great at, at those sort of slow burning ballads. She just had a way of, of coming up with really insightful lyrics. But honest and raw lyrics. Oh yes. Yes. <clears throat> No, I mentioned in something else that, you know, Deborah was was like a combination of Patti Smith and Leonard Cohen yeah. and Ananis Nin, the French writer, poet. And she would have these sort of, uh, she would go in a song from what seemed like the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 that method of tearing up writing a bunch of lyrics and then cutting them up and putting them all back together. Yeah. So you're kind of not sure, like, what what are you seeing about there's a song Confrontation, 
where the lyric is the mold on the pie begins on a single piece. And then she goes into a descriptive thing and you're thinking, what is she singing about? But then she gets into personal relationships. And, and uh, so she had, and she was not shy about writing about her own experiences throughout the whole time that Romeo Void existed. And, and there are songs out on my own, uh, on the last record where, you know, she's describing uh, an early part of her life that was not necessarily the best. Out, out uh, on my own is a, a superb song also. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And what, what's, and you said she would sometimes chop up words and put them in different order. What What is the one that is something kept? Um, oh, undercover kept. Yeah. Undercover kept. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm listening to the song and I'm really trying to get into Deborah's head, you know? <laughs> well, that's, that's a combination of, again, when we were playing the Mabuhe and some of the other clubs, they were, a lot of them were on a, on a, a main thoroughfare called Broadway, a street called Broadway in San Francisco and Broadway and Columbus crossed each other and Broadway had all the strip clubs so when we would go to play, we'd have to show up early, load in equipment, do a quick sound check, and then be and then wait until showtime. And so we'd walk around, and there were all the, you know, the strip clubs, the guys outside going, "Hey, hey, come see yeah. a naked woman!" You know? yeah. Yeah. And and she had friends who were were uh, dancers there, and so occasionally we would just go check out her friends. And so part of that undercover kept song is about her friends who were dancing in these clubs and occasionally undercover police would come in and try to bust someone for something, whatever. And, um, and then there's some other stuff in there too, but I remember that's kind of the main, uh, the main thrust of that song. <laughs> yeah. DJ Crash, K-N-O-N now, speaking with Frank Zinkavage. And Frank, thank you very much for your time today. I, I really appreciate you carving out some time to speak with me. And can I remind, uh, you know, music fans, there is a new Romeo Void CD out on November 20, uh, excuse me, April 22nd, <laughs> uh, uh, 2023. That's Record Store Day, and it's called Live from Mabuhay Gardens. Limited edition vinyl, right, Frank? Yes, yes. It's actually a, a really nice package. Uh, I, I helped um, uh, design it because there was a whole thing with photographs that uh, they couldn't necessarily get. They, you know, pay, they didn't want to be paying for all the, the promo photos that we normally had. And so I went through my collection of Polaroids and slides yeah. and scanned, you know, so all the pictures on the... Uh, uh, on the the project on the out on the outside cover <laughs> are from yeah. from from my collection and then there's things on the inside liner notes uh from deborah's collection of posters and the uh a yeah. good fr friend of ours jack johnston wrote the liner notes and he was a dj in san francisco at that time and a good friend of of the band's and so we felt he, you know, he really knew the scene at that time. And he, we got him to write the liner notes. Another good reason to buy a physical product, CD or vinyl, because of the, the, the liner notes 
and the great photographs on the inside of uh, of the release. I think, yeah, buying, even if, if you don't have a turntable, it's worth buying the, the vinyl yeah. just because it's a really nice package. <laughs> and, I, you know, I even on a CD, things get so small. Uh, I miss... I miss albums for that reason of, you yeah. know, the nice packaging that used to happen. Yeah, you're right. Well, congratulations to Frank, to you, to Devorah, to Peter, to the entire band for having a new release out uh, 2023. And that's Romeo Void live from Abuhe Gardens and it's on Liberation Hall Records. Look for it on Record Store Day. And, and Frank, again, let's stay in touch, but thank you so much for speaking with me. I do appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. Thank you, DJ Crash. It was, it was, it's always fun to, you know, re-examine <laughs> some of yeah. my past history. Oh. And uh, I'm just so, I'm so grateful that people even care about what we did years ago. And I, I I'm glad people enjoy the music. I think it, it does hold up. And uh, it's just, I'm just, Really grateful for people like you that are are helping get the word out about the release and glad it is out. And when I looked up the word Mabuhe, it means long life. So, Frank, okay. I wish you long life and keep making that music, even if it's just the solo stuff on your website. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. I'll speak to you again soon, I hope. All right. And if you come through uh, New Mexico, let me know. Heck yeah, I want to see some of your sculptures. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye now.